Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Come around the Word of God, the Bible. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to open it up and hear about the gospel. And we're going to come around this idea, uh, this theme of it is finished. It's a theme we find in the Bible. It is finished. We're going to look at that a bit more. Have you ever wanted something finished in your life? I remember I got a tattoo. I was pretty young. I was about 15. I'm like, yeah, he's going to be so cool. I was getting a tattoo. About 10 minutes in, I was like, you know what? They're all lies. I can do this. It isn't that bad. I think I can, I think I can do this. About 20 minutes in, nah, this is starting to hurt. This is starting to hurt. I don't know if I can handle this. About 25 minutes in, I'm done. This sucks. It's too much. I just want it to be over. It was a big tattoo from my first tattoo. It was three and a half hours of sitting there just wishing it was finished. I know a whole heap of guys um, uh, doing their prelims, about to do their HSC in our youth. Um, I look after you, so I'll reference a lot of stuff youth because youth are the best. Um, and yeah, I, I'm sure you can remember your HSC when your teachers act like this one little score is the end of the world, you do or die. It's not, it matters more than anything else, this little number. And I was glad HSC was over. I wish it finished quicker than it did. Or maybe, um, maybe you haven't had something massive in your life or maybe it's just something simple like watching a movie, like White Chicks. And Terry Crews comes on, and I need you, and I miss you, and you're like, oh, I wish this song was over. It is finished. That's what we're going to talk about today. So we find, find the phrase, it is finished in the Bible, at the end of Jesus' life. And so I'm going to just quickly give a recap up to this moment that we're about to read and hear where Jesus says it. So Jesus um, claims to be the saviour. Jesus lives this life, his perfect life, and then claims that he's the saviour. And so the religious leaders take him to the Roman authorities and say, we want him to be put to death. Um, They find no fault in him, but the religious leaders are adamant, no, we need to put him to death. So the Roman authorities decide, yep, okay, we're going to put him to death. We're going to crucify him. He's going to be put to death in the most excruciating, horrific way that anyone's ever put anyone to death in the history of humanity. And so... Jesus is placed a crown of thorns to mock him. He's pierced through his skull. Uh, He's whipped and beaten. He's forced to carry a cross through the town to be humiliated. And then he puts up his cross and he's nailed to his cross through his hands, through his feet. A spear is stabbed into his side. And then he's offered a drink just before he's about to die. He takes his drink. And this is where we, we have John 19 verse 30. When he'd received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his life. What was finished? You think he was just referring to his life being over? Or maybe the pain that he was going through, the excruciating pain, just wanted to be over. It is finished. What was finished? What did he mean, it is finished? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It is finished. To understand what was finished on the cross, I think we first need to understand what God's heart is. So what we're going to do first is go through one of the parables in the Bible in Luke chapter 15. Uh, Jesus is trying to explain the heart of God to to his disciples, the people that were with him um, when he was alive. And he's trying to explain the heart of God, the kingdom of heaven. And he talks about um, how a shepherd will leave 99 
sheep to go chase the one sheep that's lost. He's trying to explain it. That's the heart of God. He wants to, to save the one that's lost. And then he tries to explain it further with the parable of the prodigal son, the lost son. So we're going to read the first part of this. We might not have all the verses because I changed it a little bit last minute. Sorry. But I promise this is what it says in the Bible. I'm reading it word for word. So Luke chapter 15, verse 11 uh, to 19, it says, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The youngest son told his father, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and took a trip to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired men have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both you and heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired hand. So here, this, this represents humanity. In the same way, the son decided, no, I'm not going to go my father's way under my father's authority. I'm going to do my own thing. I know how I can have life greater and experience life to the full. And he leaves his father's house. In the same way, Adam and Eve, in the very beginning, they were under God's authority, our father in heaven's authority. And they thought, no, no, God's given this life, but they were fooled into thinking if we disobey God, we can have life greater. There'll be something better if we disobey God and eat, do the one thing you're not meant to do, eat from the forbidden tree. And they make that decision the same way Adam and Eve's life gets messy. They bring um, sin and guilt and shame into the world. The same way this guy, this young man leaves and yeah, he had wild living. I'm sure he would have enjoyed things at the moment. I'm sure the apple probably tasted pretty good for Adam and Eve. But then, because they've gone their own way, life gets messy. Life gets messy. And so then after life gets messy, they have to face the music. Adam and Eve then in their guilt and shame had to, to then face God. The lost son realizes, oh man, life was better for even my servants under my father's will. I'm going to go home and try and just be a servant. It's time to face the music. Now we're going to read uh, the last of what we're going to read in, in this parable. And we see the father's heart through the rest of this parable that we're going to read. So from Luke 15, verse 20 to 24. It says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and he's now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And the party began. We see God's heart in this parable. There's three things that stick out to me about God's heart. One is he sees us coming. A good father that loves his kids is in anticipation of his child's return. 
He's waiting for the return of his child in anticipation. He's not doing about going doing his thing. No, he's waiting and he sees his father, he sees his child on his way coming. And then two, there's no, I told you so. There's no standing there with arms folded and, and there's no music to face up to. The love of the father overcomes that. That is just met with love and compassion and the father runs and meets the son on the driveway. Doesn't even wait for him to come to him. The father meets his son on the driveway. It's the heart of our God. It's the heart of our father in heaven. And number three is what it's all about, I think. At the end when he says, my son was lost, but now he's found. My son was dead and now he's alive. That's what our father wants for us. Doesn't want us to be lost or dead, but to be alive spiritually and to be found in him. This is the heart of our Father. Okay, so we know the heart of the Father. It is finished. How does it relate? Well, uh, we had a youth event. We had a youth event uh, last week and, and we shared the gospel, shared the life of Jesus and we gave young people the opportunity to come and live life as a Christian. We had about 20 young people make this decision and come and we filled out a hallway and we're all chatting and um, some kids came up and were just to ask us questions about God and one little girl said, Luke, why does God forgive us? Why does God forgive us? Well, at the event, I had my wife, Sarah, and um, I had my two little girls, Delilah and Freya, who four and three, and my little boy, Hamish, who's one, and they were just running around being gooses as they do. And, and I, I know this little girl was interacting with them earlier. I said, you've seen my kids, right? She's like, yeah. I said, these are my kids. I love them. I want them to have the most incredible life. And I want to do life with them. I want to care for them and provide for them. I, I want to do life with them. I want them to want to do life with me. And if there was something that got in the way of that, I would do anything I could to get rid of it. And I'm an imperfect father with plenty of things wrong with me. So how much more that a, a perfect father in heaven with unconditional love for us, how must he feel? And that's what was finished. What was finished is there's a barrier between his children, us, humanity, and God. And it's sin. It's when we turn and do our life, do life our own way, and we get things wrong and we mess things up. God's holy and righteous. He's the creator of the universe. He's God. And when, when we bring sin into the world, from when Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, there's this separation between us and God. There's a barrier in the way of us having a relationship with God and living life what we're purposed for. God created Adam and Eve to, to, he purposed humanity and created humanity to walk in the garden with him, to enjoy his creation and be in relationship with him. So that's what we're purposed for. And, and, and so there's this barrier of sin in the way, going our own way that separates us from God. And throughout the history of humanity, there's this cycle all through the Old Testament of, of humanity turning and going their own way, life becoming a mess. Um, trying to turn and, and, and be reconciled and trying to restore this relationship with God, having to sacrifice animals and, and build altars and forever being um, always separated from God, trying to restore this relationship. There's this thing in the way, there's a barrier in the way between a relationship with humanity and God. And that's what was finished on the cross. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, live a perfect, faultless life, Perfect innocence, crucified in the most horrific way to pay for the sin, to pay for us choosing to go our own way, to face the music for us so that we can have a relationship with God. He paid for it all. 
I heard it um, said like this once, and I loved, I loved the, how it explained it. And I got a great picture from it. It says that um, the crown of thorns was pierced into his skull. Pays for the sins of every thought we've had, everything we've looked at, everything we've said that we shouldn't have. That his back was whipped apart for every time we've turned our back on God or turned our back on others. That his hands were pierced to the cross to pay for the sins of everything that we've done wrong with our hands. That his feet were nailed to the cross. Every place we've gone that we shouldn't have, every place we've been that we shouldn't have. That a spear went through his stomach for all the hate that we've held on to, all the unforgiveness, all the anger that we've had, it was all paid on the cross. Everything of going our way and pursuing life our way, trying to get things done, trying to get more from life, doing it our own way and getting it wrong and stuffing up, it was all paid for on the cross to enable the Father's heart, to enable God to be able to meet us when we turn to Him, for God to be able to run down the driveway and meet us with His love, with open arms and embrace us because He sent His Son to pay the price, to face the music for us. He finished separation between us and God. That's what was finished on the cross. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says, Neither death nor life, angels or demons, fears of today or fears of tomorrow, not even hell itself, there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. It is finished on the cross, the barrier. That's why Jesus sent his son. He loved us so much to to get rid of that barrier. And so, okay, we understand God's heart. We understand what was finished on the cross. What does that mean for us? Well, it means that we don't have to live a life full of facing the music and separated from God. That we get to live a life to the full in relationship with God and outworking and living the life we were created and purposed for. We uh, We don't have to live chained and burdened to regret and shame and guilt Um, and inadequacy, but we get to live a life filled with hope and love and freedom and in God's grace. There's three things, one we see in this story and two others of how we do that, how we have this relationship with God. The first thing, Romans 10.9, I was on the screen earlier. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, he rose from the dead and you shall be saved. If we believe that Jesus finished it on the cross, it's our faith in what Jesus did, and then, and then confessing that Jesus is Lord. I think this gets confused a lot with Jesus is real. It's Jesus is Lord, restoring God as the authority, God the Father as the authority, that Jesus is Lord of our life, turning from our way to acknowledge God. We're coming under your authority. Jesus, the life you lived, we're going to follow you. Jesus is Lord. But it's not just turning from our way. It's not just the initial turn and, and, and going, yeah, okay, we got it wrong. But it's continuing in his way. It's what it means to be a Christian. Christian is a follower of Christ. We live the life that Jesus lived. Imagine if um, the, the son returned and, and he has this encounter and he, he, he experiences his, the love of his father to forgive him and, and he has this feeling of, um, of inadequacy. He's not even worthy to be called a son, but he's forgiven and experiences that grace. What if he returned with that arrogance to then not be changed and in his life be the same and be lost? But no, it's when we encounter that love from God, when we encounter his grace in our lives, it causes us to be changed, 
To go, yeah, I'm going to live. Oh, man, I don't deserve this. Uh, the kind of love is who he is, that he loves us as we are. Even though I'm imperfect, you still, God, love me. My perfect father in heaven, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live a life to try and we're never going to be worthy of it. We're never going to be worthy of it. I remember this guy said to me once, I, I, I grew up as a Christian and I felt like I'd got it wrong. And because I knew better, because I know Jesus is not okay, And this guy, Simon Bartley, he said to me, he goes, Luke, if you could live a perfect life, there'd be no need for Jesus to die on the cross. We need Jesus. We're going to get it wrong and we're going to stuff up. But Jesus paid the price for us not to have to go through that cycle and be separated from God. We can continue in his way. We can try and outwork the life Jesus lived, to follow Jesus and live under God's will and pursue God, life to the full that God's shown us to live under his will. And we don't have to turn left and right and go through that cycle. We can stay his way. Stay his way. The way we do that, read the Bible, the gospel of, of, of Jesus. Jesus' life is in here. We can look at it and see how to live our life. We can find who God is through the word of God. We can pray and worship, come together in church like this, in connect groups. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so too does one sharpen another. Coming together and helping each other, stay his way. And the last thing, which is great news, is that we're not alone. We have the Holy Spirit with us. It's a gift that we get that when we decide to turn from our way and to go God's way, after Jesus died on the cross, he said, he he came and before he went to heaven, he rose again and then before he went to heaven, he said to his disciples, don't stress that I'm going because someone greater than I. Jesus changed the world forever as it was known. He said, someone greater than I is going to be with you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So when we decide to change, uh, change from our way and go God's way, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit to convict us, to help us to understand what's wrong, to guide us, lead us, and prompt us, to help us navigate the Word of God, to navigate the Bible, to help us to pray and, and stir up God dreams in our heart. That's the good news. The good news is that it's finished. Sin is defeated. Jesus paid the price so that we can have a relationship. He didn't just die with our sin, but he rose victorious, defeating our sin so that we can be in relationship with God. And now we can live in relationship with him. And this is something that we sung, and we're gonna, we're, I'm going to ask the band to come back up if that's all right. We're going to sing it again. Here's the thing. God loves us as we are. You love me as you find me. God loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. Loves us too much to leave us as we are. So I want to give us an opportunity, everyone an opportunity, to make a decision today to turn from your way and go God's way, whether it's the first time you want to make that decision or whether it's the 50th time. To turn from your own way and experience life to the full in relationship with our Father in heaven. Maybe you're at a low like the lost son. Maybe you could just see your life heading that way. Maybe your life's great, but you're empty. You're spiritually dead. Well, I want to say, like the the parable, God sees you coming. God's waiting in anticipation for you. He sees you coming. He's ready to meet you with open arms. No, I told you so's. Just love and compassion. Come home, be found, come alive. There's this song, this is Who Am I? So it says, it's my favorite song. It is my favorite song. It's who am I but a vapor in the wind? 
Who am I that the God who created the world would look on me with love? This is the love of our Father, we're His children. He loves you. This isn't just a, a God who's distant and far, that He looks over His creation, but He's a personal God. He created us to be in a personal relationship with Him. He cares about you. Even though you've gone your own way, even though we've done our own thing and we stuff up, even though we're imperfect, even though we're unworthy to be called His Son, He loves us so much like a father loves his children. He loves us so much as a perfect father that he still wants to have that relationship. He's waiting in anticipation. So what we're going to do, we're going to have this song and then I'm going to come up and I'm going to give people an opportunity to pray a prayer. But if you feel like that's you, if you want to make a decision to turn God's way, I want you to just have a moment during this song. Reach out to God and, and try and have a conversation with Him. Invite the Holy Spirit into your heart. You know what? We'll do the prayer now and then, we're gonna, then we'll worship and listen to this song. So what I'm going to get everyone to do is to bow your head and close your eyes just to give privacy to the people around you. And I'm going to get everyone to repeat after me. But if, if you want to make this decision to come in relationship with God, to return to your purpose of what you were created for, I want you to pray this from your heart. I want you to pray this to God. But if everyone can repeat, dear God, I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. I thank you that he rose again and defeated sin. I choose to follow you. Guide me, lead me into the life you have for me. I thank you that because of this prayer and because of your love, I'm now forgiven. I'm a child of God and I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm gonna ask that you keep your, your head bowed and your eyes closed. And what I want you to do is if you prayed that prayer from your heart, just so I know who I'm gonna pray for, I'm gonna say a prayer for everyone who made that decision. Whether it was the first time or your 50th time, I want you to just raise your hand now real quick so I can see. It's so good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. That's so awesome. I'm gonna pray real quickly for you. Dear Lord God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for who you are. That you came and Lord, you sent, yourself, uh, you sent your son down to earth to die on the cross for us. Lord, that you love us, that you wanted to get rid of the, anything, the barrier that got between you and us, Lord God. I thank you that you did that so that we can live the life you purposed for us, to live life like your son, to be a light into this world. Lord, to show others your love, to show others the hope that we have in you and the good news of what was finished on the cross. You're such a good God. And I just pray that for everyone that made that decision, I thank you that they've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We pray that they rely on you, that they continue in you. That Lord God, they worship you. They come and read their Bible and pray and, and, and listen to the promptings of your spirit, Lord God, and follow you all their days and have life to the full. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.